Welcome back to another oh, episode. Oh, now we started. Okay. My bad. Sorry, it took a second. Welcome back to another episode of the Black Menace Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Weaver, here with my other host, Nate Bird. Happy to be on the show as always. Yes. Um, so this week we've got a bit of a different episode for you guys. We're going to be answering some questions that we put on our story. Um, and we'll just be, you know, kind of talking about things and, and answering these questions. And we'll be trying to do this monthly just so that you guys can have an opportunity to get to know us a little more and um just have a casual conversation with the menaces. And um hopefully next time Sebastian can come. He's out of town this week, but we hope when um uh, he's back. We'll be able to do another episode. So this will be a good one. Absolutely. Um, we wanted to start off just talking briefly about some of the uh, exciting new current events going on in Utah. <laughs> um, this past week, was it on Monday that they passed? Uh, um, I think so. Was Monday, yeah, HB 261. So if you're listening to this, that would have been what, January the 20-something? January the 22nd. 22nd. January 22nd. Uh, House... Republicans in um, the state House of Representatives uh, passed a bill that essentially would restrict DEI programs at all universities, high schools, publicly funded uh, schools and colleges throughout the entire state of Utah. Yep. Um, so that includes, you know, DEI offices, offices for uh, for LGBTQIA people, um, Native American yep. you know, programs, things like that. Basically, they just kind of passed this bill without actually doing any research. Um, they asked them, I think they asked what, so they they had added up all the cost of of the different salaries for what they claimed to be DEI offices. They had like the admissions office, the office of student affairs. And they're like, this is how much it costs to run DEI. And then somebody asked them, hey, what's the total budget for each university like mm -hmm. oh, oh, we don't know so they just kind of like put numbers together that sounded good they didn't do any research they didn't have any kind of study that showed that dei was harmful they were asked point blank if there had been any research done or if there were there was data available that showed the effects of dei uh, they said that they didn't have any um, but they sure did pass that bill and now they're trying to pass a bill that would ban dei training for all um like employment places in the state of Utah. Which is interesting because that's very private. Like right. the public schools, although this bill is terrible, it's like, okay, they have a little more legroom, but now they're trying to go and tell businesses the way in which they can run mm -hmm. and how they can train their employees and what they, like the cultural competence they want for their um, work environment. Mm -hmm. That's actually really crazy. It is, especially since like, I thought Republicans are supposed to be all about leaving businesses alone. Exactly. And like, you know, letting them do what they want to do and whatnot. But I guess the the reason that they are working so hard to ban DEI is because diversity, equity, and inclusion is racist yeah. to white people, apparently. Because so. at the beginning of the bill, if you look at it, the description that they have for this is the bill prohibits any institution of higher education, the public education system, and the governmental employer from taking actions engaging in discriminatory practices that was a big piece of what they were trying to mm -hmm. get people to understand what they believe dei does on our on the college campuses mm -hmm. is that it um is discriminatory towards other groups which yeah and also when they, when they were asked to uh, define what those discriminatory discriminatory practices were couldn't define it yeah. Couldn't explain what it was. They just kept saying, oh, prohibitive discriminatory practices. Well, what are those? Basically, they're trying to say that um, allowing 
uh, people of color, queer people, indigenous people, BIPOC, what do you call BIPOC people, just allowing marginalized people to like try and get into these spaces is racist to white people because they think it, it takes their spot. And so they've created these bills that are doing that. And then do you want to explain a little bit more about what HB 257 is? Yes. Oh, I was just going to add on to that before we, we jump over to that one is um, they also when last week, Nate and Sebastian went in person because they were hearing from mm-hmm. the public on kind of what your like people of in favor or against the bill. And I was listening in online and it was just so interesting when people were asking them, you know, pointing out the fact that DEI initiatives created spaces for people and offices who didn't have them before. Mm -hmm. And it was just killing me that they kept saying, well, there's still the student life center. There's still the student success center. It's like students can go there. And it's like, I guess the great equalizer or like, that's where things are supposed to go, which I just think is, it just blows my mind that, you know, these are white people who have never been marginalized in their whole life. You know what I mean? And like you telling a black student, a brown student, any ethnic minority that they can go to the student life center and they'll be fully understood and accepted and heard and validated, which not that that's n- impossible, but they would much rather go to a place of people that look like them in office that they know is there to advocate for them. So mm-hmm. it just that that kind of shocked me a lot. Right. If it, my thing is too, is if they could show, um, like if they could show their work, basically, if they had research saying that, hey, DEI is harmful, it's mm-hmm. actually not helping BIPOC students, it's not doing what, what we in thought it was going Utah, to do. In the state of Utah, by the way, not in, in other Utah. places, because right. don't bring what's happening in other places on here. Like they don't mm-hmm. understand actually how it's impacting the student body here. At all. Right. But I mean, they didn't do any of that research. They don't have any data, no information. Like yeah. I... I did more research in like my English 101 class at BYU. Like as a freshman, I probably did more research on my paper that I submitted, like my 10 page paper than they did on this entire bill. Um, And, you know, this is not like hearsay. We were there. We literally heard them being asked simple questions, like not questions trying to trick them, just like basic questions. Like, do you have information that proves what this bill states? And they said flat out, no, we don't have data. We don't have information. However, diversity has to go. And it was like, Okay, my yeah. diversity has to go. Anyway, HB 257. Yes, which is another problematic bill mm-hmm. um, that I also believe was passed. Um, and it says, the description off the website says, this bill establishes a standard regarding distinctions on the basis of sex and applies the standard in certain facilities and opportunities where designations of the basics of sex address individual privacy, bullying, and women's opportunities. And basically, a lot of the highlights of the bill, basically, dis- like having clear distinguishing, uh, defining the different sex um, in places like um, public places that they consider are like restrooms, shower or locker rooms mm-hmm. or facilities that students use within the public education. Um, yeah, that's basically what it, it, it says. And it says the general public has... Um, a certain level of privacy that should be placed upon them and it's defined through your sex pretty much, which so, is a, go ahead. So they want to protect the general private, they want to protect the the privacy of the general public Yeah. by going into private businesses and making them change how they define, like, I guess, gender on their bathroom signs. Yeah. So basically people, the bill is saying that whatever sex you, um, 
were born with, identify with, I don't know, you have to, that it's a bathroom that you have to use, which this bill targets um, those who are transgender and they will not be able to use bathrooms mm -hmm. um, other than the bathrooms that uh, go with their sex they were assigned at birth. Interesting. So they want to protect the privacy of the general public mm -hmm. by invading the private lives of Utah citizens. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's and very interesting. It's just a very targeted bill. I just, these situ, again, just like the HB 257, like in Utah, if we're being honest, these are really small populations of people already right. in terms of the grand, like the total population of Utah, right? Mm -hmm. This is such a subset of people that really are, we're just trying to live and be accepted, Black people, queer people, trans people. And for them to come out with bills that are making it harder to exist. And it's like, it's one thing if we know that people, you know, have are homophobic, are transphobic, are racist, but to have a law set in place that is allowing people to shield behind that and to use as reasons for why they don't need to um, change their ways is extremely problematic. Um, and it's just really unfortunate that the the trans community is being targeted in this way through this bill mm -hmm. because it's just not necessary and at all. all there's again also no evidence based as well for this type of bill there's no evidence that's showing that because you know people love to claim like i want my somebody i saw this thing on instagram was like i want my sister to be able to go to the bathroom and know that there's going to be no man in there going after her and it's like <laughs> that is such like that is just hyperbole. Like, that is not what's happening. Like, mm -hmm. a person who looks like a man and identifies as a man is not walking in the women's bathroom. Like, right. that is not whatever happens. Like, At I've all. never been in that situation. Mm -hmm. And I just think um, it's just unfortunate that this is happening and that this is the direction Utah is moving because I know Florida also has some similar wild legislation that was also passed in their state. But to think that Utah is also at this level is... I mean, it's just been a very sobering past two weeks, like mm -hmm. going to that and listening to what people had to say about in support of the bill, seeing um, this other bill get passed. And it's just like, dang, people in the state really are marginal, really don't care about marginalized people, really are uninformed, unintelligent. And it just confirms that people actually want to see us disappear. Mm -hmm. they, not, want, they want to yeah. erase us and not have us be part of the history, be part of the fabric, even though we have built up Utah to be what it is mm -hmm. because we live here and I pay taxes here. Like we, we contribute to the community in some way. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I will say, yeah, it has been very sobering, but I wouldn't say surprising because That's true. this is the state where 20% of the, you know, voter, 20% of voters voted no on removing slavery from the state constitution. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's a large number. No, it's a very large yeah, number. You know, so that's one out of every five people that said, no, I don't want to take slavery off the Constitution in 2020 or 2018, yeah. whenever it was. I was just like, interesting. But um, there's actually a, um, there's a, com a comedian that like made a, a clip that I thought was very funny. And I think it applies very well to the situation. Okay. So I'm going to just play it really quick. Yes. If you let trans uh, okay. people think that if you let trans uh, gender people into a woman's bathroom, there'll be a loophole for predators, you know? And if you think that, that means you believe there are guys out there going, 
man, I'd love to go into a woman's bathroom and abduct and murder someone. But unfortunately, I'm not allowed in there. So I guess I'm just not going to murder anyone ever again. I guess I'm just done murdering people. I, I'm a murderer, but it says woman on the side, so I murder someone but i'm not about to break bathroom sign rules i'm not a monster it's like that time i was chasing a woman with a knife in the park and then she got into the woman's bathroom I'm like you're safe for now i'm gonna stand out here and wait for a bill to get passed oh man yeah, dang that's so actually really funny <laughs> it is very funny because it's just such a stupid like line of thought like people right. that's always like their main argument we even when um when we were at expect the great and we interviewed someone at Southern Utah University that was like his whole argument I want mm-hmm. when one day when I have a daughter I don't want her to have to go into a bathroom and there's like a man in there and it's like okay well statistically you're more likely to like be someone who deals with sexual assault by right. someone you know exactly right like as a her father you're statistically more likely to molest that daughter yes. than some random person walking into the bathroom like yeah. that's harsh to say but it's just like a statistical reality yeah. that's very true exactly um so yeah for people to have that mindset it just i um i tweeted on black menaces today and i said that and i don't know maybe this just sounds profound in my head but i tweeted i was like hmm, that kind of <laughs> sounds good but i said <laughs> If uh, if hate is your motive, then incompetence is your legacy. Now you can tell me if that sounds good or not. No, I it does it sound good. good. Let's let's start putting yeah. on shirts. But it's just like when hate is the motive, and like that's the only thing that drives you is hatred of other people and who they are. Then you're not going to be able to produce anything that sounds reasonable or rational. It's yeah. all going to be like very stupid. But you're motivated by hate, and so that's what's going to drive you forward. And so that's what we see with these bills. No research has been done. There's unintended consequences for these. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, information that just doesn't mesh. And there's going to be some some things that happen because of these bills that these people were not expecting. But it's because yep. they didn't actually do the research. They didn't actually think this out. They don't actually care about the people that they're affecting. No. They're motivated by hatred. Hatred of, of people who don't look like them. Hatred of people who are not straight and white and Mormon, um, what have you. But I don't know. That's about all I got to say on that. Rachel, you got anything else before we jump into these I questions? Mean, I just want to add that, again, the most difficult part, at least for me, is someone who like is removed away from the church. It's just difficult to under like this is just perplexing. If I was active, this would be hard, right? Because a lot of these people are members. Like you go look them up, look oh, up their yeah. families, like because you can see the like the representative who made the bill and then the senator sponsor. Mm-hmm. A lot of these are LDS people who run the legislator. A lot of them are. Majority of it is. And so when you have that, it's quite confusing when you know, this is a group of people that you're all, you know, you're working for the same thing. You all love God and Jesus. And you think that you're, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ and that they're going to love you the way that you should. And then they're, you know, genuinely against you, not just in thought, but in practice, like they're going out and actively voting against and in favor for bills that are going to make your life harder, Mm -hmm. the lives harder of other people. It's just sad to me. And it's it just it just doesn't make sense because it's also in more Christian conservative places like Florida as well. It just just interesting how people have taken Christianity um, and moved it to a whole another area that it was never supposed to be in. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Very true. 
Okay. Yeah. Now that we're done with that, oh, and to mention, we are bringing Representative Sandra Hollins on next week. Mm, so mm-hmm. please listen next week for our episode. That's going to be a great one. Um, since, you know, we're in the middle of the legislative session, it'll be good to talk with her. She'll share about her experience and obviously um, her knowledge on not just this bill being passed, but other bills that were trying to be, that have been attempted in previous years. So she'll mm-hmm. be able to share about um, that with us. So look forward to that next week. Absolutely. We're going to jump into these questions. The title of today's episode is Interview Us, Part 1. <laughs> um, so we just put like a little story out just saying, hey, ask us some questions. We'll answer them on the podcast. And so we got some good submissions. So we'll just answer those questions. Um, one of the most popular ones we've gotten is people asking about updates with the situation with Canaan and yeah. BYU Hawaii. Um, I've been in communication with Canaan so far. No um no additional details. He hasn't heard from anyone in BYU administration. Um, so we're, we're trying to tell him get that set up. We do have him communicating with a few different people um, to try and make some things happen. But obviously our our main goal is that we don't want Kanan to get kicked out of BYU Hawaii. Um, or we don't want it to have to be like a, him choosing between, you know, his hair and his culture and, and his education. So we're, we want that to be prevented, obviously. Um, and unfortunately, the only way that BYU or the church seems to make uh, lasting adjustments is when there is um, a lot of publicity surrounding an issue. So that's why we put the video out, um, not to bash on anyone in particular, but to get some things going, get some actions going, which reminds me. Um, in addition to that situation with Canaan, we want y'all to, we're going to post a link in the description mm-hmm. uh, to the Olympics website. Oh, yeah. Um, because again, you know, th- there are some ways that are more effective than others to get people to act. And so we're hoping that um, if we have enough people write in to the Olympics committee, um, just expressing our lack of support for the actions that um, these people have been taking in, in the House of Representatives I and mean, in the Senate, if we have enough people writing in to voice that they will not be supporting the Olympics, that when they come to Salt Lake, we're hoping that someone from the Olympics will reach out and be like, hey, y'all need to shut these bills down or we're not bringing the Olympics to Salt Lake City. Because one thing that always talks is money. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Olympics is going to bring tourists from around the world. Um, it's going to bring in lots of business, millions and millions of dollars, um, even though it's you know still a ways away. Um, if we can... You know, They're talking about it now. People right. are looking forward to it. Exactly. Because that takes years and years of planning. You know, they mm-hmm. have to like figure out infrastructure and, and construction and how things will work with traffic and all of that. So they're going to start planning for that. Um, or they, they already are. So if we can, if we can disrupt that, um, hopefully we can get some of these bills reversed and allow BIPOC and, and queer people to exist in peace in the state of Utah. So <laughs> we'll post that link in the description. Please be sure to just send a little letter. It takes like five minutes. You just put yep. in your name, your email, and then you just write a little note. I will not be supporting the Olympics. I will not be watching the Olympics if these bills are passed here in Utah. Of course, you know, it's a long ways away, but hopefully uh, with enough support, we can get something done. Um, We've already had a few hundred people write in, Mm -hmm. so please include. We're going to also add a a poll to the episode. Um, So if you, you know, once you go and fill that out, just fill out the poll as well and be like, yes, I I too submitted a letter and then we'll go from there. But yeah, we answered the BYU age question, Canaan. Uh, um, we'll update y'all on that as we get more. Um, someone, uh, someone said, is there any hope for Utah in the future? It's looking pretty dire to me personally. <laughs> is there any hope for Utah in the future? You know, after what we just talked about, I don't know your thoughts, Nate, but. I mean, yeah, there's always hope. There's always hope. There was hope in, in I don't know, 1845, <laughs> 20 years before 
slavery ended. I don't know. Um, I say there's always hope, but it would take a lot of a lot of changes, right, in the way that things are run. Um, I think there are a good amount of young people in Utah who um, who care about other people, and I think as they as they grow up and as they um, integrate themselves into Utah society, I think we could see some positive change. But uh, I think it also a lot of things will have to change for that to happen. So there's always hope, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that change will will go the way that we want it to. Rachel, what you got to add? The only thing I'd ask is I agree. I think that there is a chance for things to change in this state because I think the younger generation overall is changing a lot. I think they're more understanding, more accepting, more willing to listen to research, mm-hmm. more um, respectfully college educated because there's a lot of people who just are not aware. You know what I mean? Like they have, they're just ignorant and they refuse to accept different lines of thinking. And I also think that Utah is slowly becoming more diverse. It's not overnight. Mm-hmm. It is slow. Um, but I do think that change is happening, that there are more and more, like the um, K through 12 is becoming more and more diverse, mm-hmm. which eventually will, you know, probably be the main adult population in Utah. But it's it's slowly becoming more diverse, not just even with black students, but um there's a lot of Hispanic and Latino students that live in Utah. Mm-hmm. And, and that population is growing so hopefully it can look different in a couple of years. But yeah, that that's really the only thing that I can hope that it can come from is that the actual fabric of the people and the communities are going to be different, mm-hmm. which will influence. It'll take a while to influence the top up because, you know, we always know the older people, the older generations are is still having these jobs mm-hmm. when it's like, isn't it retirement time? But, um, you know, they... I just hope that younger people get opportunities to be in places like um, the legislator. Um, there, I know there are younger people that are trying to make their way up there um, in Utah and make that change. And so I'm excited for those people mm-hmm. who are doing that here. Absolutely. It's also crazy to me that politics is like the only job where like old people have a monopoly. It's really true. Like any other, anywhere else you go, Exactly. Once you reach like age 50, no one is willing to hire you. Like it's very hard to find a job after a certain age. Which is problematic in its own sense, right? right? That's that's ageism, right? People are discriminating against you because of your age. But, and like, you know, once you get to a certain age and you're considered to be uh, less competent or like less Mm -hmm. capable, less, you know, physically capable, mentally capable, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then we have like some of the least capable and like least able people in political Ever. offices right. yes like exclusively running the country and it's like that's frustrating like our president that dude can barely string us like string words together i got the and it's just you know you got politicians literally freezing in place and just like staring at cameras for minutes at a time mitch mcconnell like and right. he's done multiple times you got people falling over and and they just refuse to retire and it's like Come on now. What are you doing? Like mm-hmm. I, at least at least let's 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 make the age like let's drop it to 65 where the same place that everybody else got to retire, you got to retire too and just give it up to new people. But I don't know. Especially if you've done it for such a long time. I think right. that's a big piece too. It's it's not even like oh we don't want older people there. It's like no, you've been doing this this is your whole life. Mm-hmm. Why don't you try to do a different thing? Why don't you maybe do something different? Okay. I don't know, but you need to stop with this. You know Absolutely. what I mean? And yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's giving like 
corrupt kings, like the Book of Mormon, mm. you know, where they talked about how like, um, and you know, it might be kind of weird to bring up the Book of Mormon, but I'm just thinking about how like in the Book of Mormon, you have um, whenever they had kings and the kings would be like trying to get power and like trying to maintain it for long periods yep. of time and they like wouldn't give up their rule and all this stuff. That's literally what these people are doing. Like they're just like getting power. They're doing insider trading, but getting away with it. Yes. Like all of this stuff, gaining all this money, taking money from, from different, you know, parties left and right mm -hmm. and just doing things that like are in, not in the interest of the people, but very much in the interest of themselves and corporations. But anyway. Well, you know, it's just... funny that you brought up the Book of Mormon because I actually thought about this with what I was talking about, about Christian people. And mm -hmm. again, also weird to bring up the Book of Mormon, but I just have like no other frame of reference to like explain this. In the Book of Mormon, it talks about how like um, when the wicked people, when the, the good are wicked and blah, 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 and they think that they're living right, but they're doing a lot of like bad things, even though they are like the blessed people or whatnot. Mm -hmm. I think about that all the time with, um, which is weird because in my journey, I'm like, do I believe in this? Do I not? Blah, blah, blah. That's a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. But I do think about that concept, right? Of like, we're supposed to, like followers of Christ are some of the least Christ-like people I know, least understanding people I know. And I'm like, what What do they really think of themselves as a group? Like has, I wonder that, like, do some Christian people ever sit back and be like, hey, because I still identify as a Christian, but like people who are, you know, more problematic, I'm like, do you ever sit back and look and say, hey, I'm not, like, we are not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Like us as a group, as a religious whole, we're not doing that. I, I always wonder that. I think that there are people that do that, but I think that those people are few and far in between. And I yeah. think most people, going back to the Book of Mormon again, which I'm is so crazy to be <laughs> the Zoramites. You know yes. the Zoramites? Yeah. The Ramiumptum. Oh, thank you, God. We're so grateful. We're not like them. We're yes. not like those Christians over mm. there. We're not like those Mormons over there. We're much better than them. We're yeah. righteous. I feel like a lot of more people have that mindset. Right. Like I said that because I also had that mindset. You know, like not not for a very long time, but there was a period in my life where like I attached my value to how righteous, quote unquote, right. I, I was, you know, so it's like, oh, well, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Well, I am so righteous right now. I just, you know, and then it was like that, um, you know, that idea where being a good person or not, you know, participating in, in you know, whatever or breaking certain rules made you a a better person or like a, a more righteous person. There's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but it's like how you treat other people with that mindset that creates the issue. You yeah. know, there's nothing wrong with like believing that you have elevated morals, but when those morals allow you or like give you, um, give you, what's the word I'm looking for? Not justice, give you um, like justification okay. to treat other people in a bad way mm -hmm. or like to treat other people like they're less than you. Or like they don't deserve the same things as you. That's mm. where the issue comes in, right? In my opinion. But we didn't gone all over the place. We yeah, sorry, that was two just questions. A, but right. yeah, okay, let's um, let's go to a more fun question. Favorite mm -hmm. movie of twenty twenty three? Ooh, hold on, let me pull up my IMDb. Okay, yeah, Nate's more I've been of a movies. Yeah, Nate's more of a movie person. A I think for me, okay. favorite movie of last year. Um, I really don't watch movies like that, but I really enjoyed. Um, Barbie. I thought that was a great movie. I really, I loved what was written about. I thought that was really beautiful. I also love the color purple, even though it's like 2023 slash 2024. Um, because I had never seen the original. Uh, but I just, I, I just love it. I think it's really, really beautiful, and everyone did a great job. Love that. Love that. For me, let me look at my 
my top ratings here. Because wait, do you rank them? I sure do. Nerdy, nerdy. That's really funny. Um, I have a friend. Well, we have a friend, Joshua. He also is like a big movie and TV show guy, and he like mm-hmm. ranks his own stuff every year too. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a fun little hobby I have. All right, so let's see here. I'll do the ones that I ranked nine and ten. Okay. Because I've watched, you know, I, I do enjoy some good movies. Okay, yeah, top you... movies: Candy Cane Lane on Amazon Prime. Okay. Uh, did you watch that one? No. It's a fun one. It's like a black family Christmas movie, but it's like a high budget or like mm. a, a, you know, it's like a Christmas movie, but with a good budget. Oh. Because like a lot of times I watch black Christmas movies and, you like and they're very low budget. low budget. Right. But this one, it was actually like high budget. They had Tracy Ellis Ross, Eddie mm. Murphy, and like they had like this cute little family and they're doing some Christmas stuff. So I really enjoyed that one. Mm. Candy King Lane. The Hunger Games. Uh, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Oh, that's a good movie. I ranked that one number nine. Uh, there's a movie called Misery. It's a Stephen King novel. Okay. Uh, I ranked that one number nine. What else we got? <clears throat> I'm trying to find a good number 10. What did I rank number 10? What did you here? rank Barbie? Now I want to know. Ooh, what did I rank? I think I gave Barbie a good... Where is it? Did I rank Barbie? You saw it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw it. I loved it. I enjoyed it. I want to say I gave Barbie like an eight. Okay, that's fair. And one thing about IMDb too is you can trust the ratings a little bit, but you can't fully trust them because the people that be getting on are usually like very like nerdy middle-aged white guys who yeah. be like hating anything that's quote unquote woke. Right? Oh, right. So like a lot of times if it's like a more progressive movie or TV show, they're gonna rate it lower. Oh, because so like that's haters. what happened with like The Little Mermaid. Um, oh yeah. And like a couple other things, they just go on there and rate it super. Did The low. Little Mermaid come out last year? 2023. Yeah, April 2023. Oh my gosh. I didn't even know that. Guys, 2023 has been with not a real year for me. No, for real. It hasn't been a real year since 2020. If I sat and like named all the shit that happened during 2023 to me, you guys would all be like, what the heck? I'm like, yeah, I know. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd say those are all good movies that I watched in the year 2023. I think favorite movies. Oh, you know what? Oh, easy, hands down. Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. Oh, yes, that was that probably, makes total sense. That was my favorite movie of 2023. I'll say of all the ones that I went and saw, I went and saw a lot. Um, but yeah, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. That was good. That was a good movie. I'm excited I, for the new part. I had never seen the other ones. I didn't realize that they had other ones. I don't know when they came out. Either I was just I'm talking unaware. about the cartoon one with Black yeah, Spider Man. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Okay, there's only one other one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The one before that. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that one. Oh, okay. I didn't even know they had another one. You got to watch it. I just went in and watched that one. I was like, oh. And then my boyfriend told me, oh, there's another one. I was like, oh, there is? I never heard of it. That's kind of wild. <laughs> I know. I was feeling very like, oh, oops. That was wild. Yeah, I remember I first heard about like Spider-Man with Miles Morales. I first heard about that on the radio when I was probably like 14. That's the first time I ever heard about it. They were talking about, oh, there's going to be a black Spider-Man. I was like, oh, for real? Oh, when like did 14. it come out? The first one. 2019. It took forever. Okay, see, I was on my mission. Okay. Now I don't feel bad. That's why. That's why you missed it. Because to this good. day, I still haven't watched uh, Lemonade, Beyonce's Lemonade, because that came out during my mission. Oh. And I just never got around to actually like watching yeah, it. Yeah. Certainly. Like, this is kind of like a pocket of time you just miss. Yeah, that's what Homecoming, too. That was mm-hmm. all like on my mission as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, see, I did watch Homecoming, but I was home by then. But yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. Okay. Cool. So that answers that question. Next question. Okay, someone said your experiences with a racist member, ignorant or blatantly. Mm. 
I got a good one for that. I got to okay. pull up some old screenshots. Let me see if I can find Not them. the screenshots. One thing about Nate is he's going to have the receipts. <laughs> and I love that because <laughs> I'm not a receipts person, but I love being around people who are good at it. And um, I feel like Nate always has the the receipts. It's like, yeah, in 2016, you said this. Here's the proof. Listen, if you want to know who has uh, the best receipts. Andre? Nope. Melody. Melody. Okay. Melody has everything. All right. <clears throat> so this person, I won't read everything that they said. I'll just read some of the, the choice ones. So this happened in 2020. Okay. That was during the protests. And this, uh, to give you some um, some context, this is somebody that I served with as a missionary. Um, we spent six months together. Oh, wow. Companions. Was okay. it six months? No, no. Sorry, three months. Okay. We spent three months together. Six. Um, okay. In the ghetto, because that's where I got put as a missionary. Right. Like the ghetto ghetto. I was in Fifth Ward in Houston. Oh, yeah. Look, they always want you to go to, go there to change it. Uh-huh. They think you're going to be the, the saving sure grace. I sure think I was invincible, but huh? I was not. I thought I was invincible. <laughs> anyway, they posted on their Facebook in 2020 a meme. It was just a picture of a police car, and then it said, police lives matter. Who's brave enough to share? So oh, I, said, I guess he thought he was. He, <laughs> yes, he definitely did. So I, I was just, I was like, huh, that's weird. But I know this guy. I lived with him for three months. Let me talk to him, see what he's about. So I said, got to ask, bro, what exactly do you mean when you say this? I'm asking because I know you pretty well, and I'm not sure you fully understand what this implies. Right. Mind you, this was like not too long after George Floyd. So this was in September of 2020. And then he responded back, it is what it is, what it means, which... I don't know what that means. It is what it is. It is what it means. For instance, all the media hypes up is BLM, but what about other injustices like the Compton cops that got shot or the little white boy that got murdered? That cop that killed George Floyd should be arrested, but uh, but Floyd resisted and was a criminal. Again, man, I have nothing against blacks, but I just blacks. Think, <laughs> but okay. I just think human life in general matters not certain colors. And then I was like, interesting. Okay. And then I, what did I say? I was like, if that's the case, then posting police lives matter is in direct contrast with what you just said. If all human lives matter to you, why are you singing out the police? So you're either lying to me, lying to yourself, or both. You're also saying things that other people around you have said without really stopping to think for yourself about what that means. Have you ever asked a black person about it? Um, then he started ranting. He told me, look at the statistics. Look at the statistics. Nope. I can talk. So then I said, I have looked at the statistics. Right, and I proceeded to send him several statistics. After which he responded with, yeah, I literally sent him like a lot of statistics, yeah, including like, screenshots and there's... several articles from several reputable sources, including yeah, like, Time, uh, the Wall Street Journal. Right. What else? I sent him screenshots. From you want all us to go to place, articles? CNN. And then after I sent him several of those things, then he's like, if we're being real here, blacks have fought and earned more rights in America than any other country in the history of the world. Other countries in the world still allow slaves in segregation. America ain't perfect, but blacks have a hell of a lot more here in our country than they have ever anywhere else. Oh. <laughs> the reason why some blacks are in the projects is because blacks. of their lifestyle choices and being lazy. Oh, Same gosh. with any other race in America that refused to take advantage of free market and finding a job. Good night. And then he said, what else did he say? He said a bunch of stuff about Obama. Not Obama. All right. And it's always going said, back to Obama. <laughs> if you really want to go off facts and real statistics, look at job numbers and things that Trump has done for people of color, especially blacks. 
Look at Herschel Walker. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, it's time to wrap it up. Him and other blacks see the bullshit the BLM riots and looting are doing right now to this country and how divisive they are. And what else did he say? Then he Lord. responded with some white power symbols. No, he didn't. Yeah, he sent me the white power emoji. No, he um, didn't. And then what else did he say? He's sick. Yeah, so you've seen the white power. It's like the, it used to be like the OK symbol, like you make with OK symbol with your fingers, but I guess white people turn it into a white supremacist symbol. Um, what else did he say? He said, I had my head up Obama's ass. It was a lot of fun things that were said in this conversation. And then I just ended up blocking him at the end. Right. All right. But uh, yeah, the crazy thing about this is that later on, uh, like two years later, he came back and apologized. Wow. For all of this. And I knew he would. Cause he was he had lost his mind. I was like, oh, you 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 don't know, you don't know me. That's fine. But yeah, he came back and apologized a couple years later, and realized the error in his ways. And I was like, hey, not bro, the errors in his ways. I forgive you. Now, do we talk like that? Absolutely not. Right. Do I reach out to him? No. But we're not enemies. You know, if he ever had a question, I would answer it. But that was a racist experience that I had. That was very long. But Rachel, I mean, what you got? I don't know if I'm going to share any experiences. I'm more so going to give advice because I was kind of like, what the person? I think they were asking for that too. Um, I think, honestly, the hard thing with a lot of members is you have to realize a lot of them just don't have, like, they, it's not an excuse, but they just genuinely have no experience with Black people. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, particularly in Utah, have grown up in very homogenous environments and they don't really know anything other than what the media tells them about Black people and the Black experience in America, which from the media is false mm. and is full of a bunch of stereotypes. Um, and if they're listening to anything on the news, it's just not going to go well. <gasps> and so uh, that's just a lot of their background. And unless they have something in their life that makes them want to be anti-racist, a lot of them aren't. It's just a fact, like, unless they have some type of family member who's different than them, they have some type of, I don't know, something happened, like, very rarely do they feel compelled on their own to be like, I want to understand a community that's different than me, because nowhere in their life do they have to feel the pressure for that. So when they come and interact with us, you know, a Black person for the first time in their ward or companion, whatever the case may be, they just genuinely have so much ignorance. And so... For me, depending on where you want to go with things, like, I just got fed up with being gracious because that's really what you have to do. Is like you used to just you used to take it and say, you know, they don't know, they don't understand. I'm going to be understanding. I'm going to be compassionate. I'm going to help them. Because um, then there are people who do want to learn and do want to change and will listen to what you have to say. However, that is exhausting and it's tiring. Mm-hmm. It's constantly having to deal with someone who is so just unaware of you in your existence and actively is perpetuating harmful rhetoric. Like the stuff that your old companion was saying, like that, those are harmful thoughts and like that you have to read. And like, if you're having a conversation with a member, you know, who's saying that, like, how would that make you feel if you were at church or knowing this person is in your FHE group, whatever it is, it makes it hard to feel comfortable. And like that space is for you. So you also have to take that into consideration. And I genuinely, I tell people, it just depends on what you want. Like, if you want to stay in the church, if you want to stay active, I think you have to learn to put up boundaries between you and a lot of the racist people you meet and find a community in which you are okay in. And I know people who do that and they're able to 
um, be okay in the church and find a way. I think someone like me who went to a BYU where I really couldn't choose, like I was forced to learn certain things and experience certain things. Um, it's hard to constantly have that, sh those experiences time and time again in your face. And, um, that made it difficult. So I just say my biggest piece of advice is either continue to be gracious. And if you're moving towards the frustration part, you have to change your environment. You might have to um, move out of state. I don't know. The wards out of state are a lot better. People are more understanding, like East Coast specifically. But, yeah, that that's all I can say because my other advice is just, like, just don't be involved, <laughs> which I know is, like, that's extreme, right? Like, if you mm -hmm. told me that right after my mission— I would have been like, no, absolutely not. But it's just at a certain point, I had to protect myself and my safety. Mm -hmm. And I already do DEI as a full-time job, which I get paid for. Mm -hmm. So I get paid to deal with ignorance. Okay, that's very different. I'm not going to do that on my free time as well. Right. And that's very valid. Now, I know somebody did ask about that, but there also was somebody who did ask for like, they explicitly asked for experiences. Were there any that you wanted to share? I just want to make sure. Um, if you don't have any, that's fine. But like, I'm trying to think. Off the top of my head, I have blocked out so much. I'm like, no, I'd have to like sit and mm, think. You gotta but, sit and remember it. Yeah, I mean, I think I just. I think one thing I was talking with my roommate about this last night. Actually, um, I think I, one thing I realized, like, the further and further I move away from the church. Um, I just r really realized the undertone of anti-blackness that um, was present in so many situations that I didn't even realize, mm -hmm. whether that be the way that a leader spoke to me about my future or spoke down to me or the attitudes that people had about certain people in our ward, like looking back growing up, like, feeling like, oh, these people are a little, you know, people are kind of like pushing them off to the side and these people are a little better because they're not as proximate to stereotypical black situations or what people believe um, black people, what well, black people's lives are like. Anyway, and I think just realizing how pervasive whiteness is and how that's such the center and realizing how other places aren't like that. Um, I wouldn't say that's anybody being blatantly racist towards me, but I do think that so many situations like whiteness is the standard, which is an issue in America overall, but I think that's even more in the church. Um, and the fact that I just like kind of accepted that and was willing to live that is crazy. Like looking back and thinking, I genuinely was like, oh yeah, I'm not, I'm probably not going to get married in the church um, because like white men don't date black women. Like that's crazy to think that I was genuinely like okay with that or like that I was just going to accept that. Like I look back, I'm like, dang, mm. that's really sad. Nobody ever said that to me out of my mom, like outrightly, but like through my experiences, I knew that like, yeah, that, that wasn't going to be an easy road for me. Mm. So um, I just want to make sure I understand what you're saying. So you said that you had basically accepted that like, because there weren't that many black men in the church and mm -hmm. because white white men were not interested in dating you. Yeah. You were you basically like resigned yourself to just like being single in the church? Well, I kind of told myself, I used to joke. I was like, yeah, if I'm not married by like 25, 26, I'm going to start dating people outside the church. Okay. I would say that. Mm -hmm. As my friends, like I would say that out loud because I just my experiences were giving no, and not mm -hmm. just my experiences, but the experiences of other black women that I knew. Yeah. Um, were just not 
not positive. And if they were, it was like a diamond in the rough. Mm -hmm. Like it was not finding a needle in a haystack type of situation. It wasn't common. It was very difficult in comparison to seeing my friends and like their like white friends that I had and their experiences. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's, not, that's nothing uh, explicit, but it's just something I've thought about because I was talking about it with my roommate last night. And um, it's just kind of sad that that's, that was my reality. Like, I'm like, dang, yeah. I don't ever want to put myself in a situ in a mental space where I accept that I'm like subservient to mm -hmm. other people and like I'll accept subservient treatment. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's important. And yeah, just like, I think uh, preserving one's like true happiness, I think is more important. So like if someone is truly happy where they're at, then I think that's good. But if they're not and they're having to make concessions on happiness, I think that's where the problem comes in. Yeah. Huh? That's another good question. So somebody asked this, what happens when you're no longer a Mormon? Um, how do... I'm assuming people are like, I'm assuming the question is, how do you, how are you treated being black when you're no longer a Mormon? Yeah. Or like, what is it like being black, not a Mormon? Um, the best answer I would give to that question, as I understand it, is just that now, um, having moved away from the LDS church, I feel like I have much more control over my relationships and the people that I choose to associate with. And so I would say that my, my inner peace and my mental health are a lot better now because I don't have to like go and be around people um, who don't understand me, who don't accept me for who I am, um, who are expecting a certain version of me. I no longer have to like put myself in those spaces. Um, and so now I can just surround myself with people that I want to be around. And so that's pretty much what I do. I only interact uh, for the most part with people that um, add a positive influence to my life. So for that reason, I would say that you know, my mental health and my my happiness, my peace uh, are better than they were before. And I feel like I can be much more my authentic self. That's for me personally. What about you, Rachel? Yeah, I think I feel less internal conflict about my identity as a black woman mm -hmm. and the way I want to like have a belief in a higher power. I think I felt a lot of conflict because in particularly when I was in the church, like I felt like in order because the church isn't just like, Oh, I believe in God. I believe in Christ. I believe in these principles. Like that was also like, you know, a big part of my social cultural experiences were in the church. And like, that's being a member. That's how you like are a member. It's like, it's your community. It's the way you um, connect with people too. And so feeling like those things would never mix, like who I was and the way black women, like what we as a whole value experience and like the way I want to socialize with that community very much conflicted with the other way. Mm -hmm. And now I don't have that conflict anymore. And it's really nice to think about how freeing that can be. And also feeling as well, like that label um, doesn't like own me almost mm -hmm. um, in black spaces that I do enter. Cause I always felt like anxiety almost um, entering black spaces, knowing that I was, LDS or that like that was a big piece of me and what I cared about because I knew that other black people would question that or mm. have curiosity, right? Like I wasn't unaware, like that's kind of weird. That's different. They're going to be like, what are you doing? You know? Um, 
And now I don't have that. It's really interesting now entering black spaces and how like low that anxiety is. Because mm-hmm. um, it used to be really high. I used to be like, dang, people are going to ask me about this and blah, blah, blah. Or because it's going to come up because, you know, the church is always like, you got to share about it. And because it's such a big part. Like if I'm not going to drink, people are going to ask me, why are you not drinking or different mm-hmm. things like that? And um, now I don't have that. Like I can just engage and I don't have to have this, I don't know, identity that I didn't even fully identify with myself either, which is interesting. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the labels that were associated with being LDS and being Mormon, like I didn't even fully subscribe to them myself, but I felt the pressure of them because I felt like I had to label myself that way in situations, mm-hmm. especially around black people. And now I don't. Um, so that's that's been nice. And I'm excited to move away from Utah and be in a black community in a black space um, outside of here with a lot of people who don't know the church so that I can kind of have that experience and learn again. Cause I feel like it's relearning my own culture and my own like identity within that because um, I'll be in spaces with people who don't interact with LDS people or never have, or even know that version of myself. Mm. Cause even a lot of people in Utah still know that version of me or know that that's the, that used to be a part of my identity. That makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Another question. We're going to switch it up, make it a serious one. I'm sorry, uh, a fun one. Fun one, okay. If you were a sandwich, what kind of sandwich would you be? Oh, do you know? I know. I don't. Oh, do I know the answer to my question? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Oh, go ahead. You go first. Oh, me first? Okay. I would be some kind of barbecue sandwich. Okay. With like extra barbecue sauce. Why? on a roll. Because... On the outside, you got the bun, right? Right. Whether it's the roll or whatever. It just is just a regular roll, right? But then when you add that barbecue meat to it and the barbecue sauce, it adds a complexity to it. Okay. That you don't get with just the bread. The bread might just dry your mouth out. Okay. But once you add like that sweet and sticky barbecue sauce mm-hmm. and it just adds this delicious flavor, there's a whole bunch of spices. It's a complex flavor. It's okay. a lot it's a lot more complex than, you know, ketchup. Right. Mustard. Those have one flavor. But barbecue sauce, barbecue sauce got multiple flavors. You got brown uh-huh. sugar. You got molasses. You okay. got cayenne pepper. Right. That's me. Yeah. Um, on the inside, I'm like complex. I got a lot of different things. But on the outside, you might not get all of that, especially if I don't know you. Right. If I don't know you, you're going to get like one version of Nate. But mm-hmm. if I know you, you get the barbecue sauce. You get mm-hmm. the pulled pork. So that's me. That's my, I'm a pulled pork slider. That's okay. There we go. <laughs> What's yours? <laughs> um, hmm. I'm trying to think of a sandwich that would be like, not everybody is gonna like the sandwich. Um, just because I feel like I'm not everyone's cup of tea. <laughs> um, hmm. Okay. I'm trying to think maybe something like a. Okay, this is one I'll use, but we'll see. I feel like a chicken Caesar, like, salad or wrap. Mm. Um, now, the reason I picked that is I feel like people who love the chicken Caesar salad love the chicken Caesar. Like, that is their sandwich. They don't play about their that's sandwich. That's the only kind of salad dressing I eat. Huh? Caesar, Caesar dressing, that's the only exactly. salad dressing Exactly. Like, I people eat, yeah. who love that, that sandwich, mm-hmm. they they don't play about it, and they're very serious, and they, like, that's kind of their personality. You know, I know people that that's, like, their thing. Um <laughs> And I say that because, and then I'm someone who doesn't like Caesar salad, actually, like for myself, Mm. like I'm very like, because it's such a strong 
it's just too much. Like it's just, it's very a lot. It's kind of a lot of us. And I don't like my salads to be like that or sandwiches even. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'm going to describe myself as that because I feel like people who really enjoy it, like are loyal. They like, I have really like close friendships with people, very loyal, very like great friendships. And then, um, there are some people that they just not, it doesn't work for them mm -hmm. and they don't like it. Um, someone like myself who doesn't like the Caesar salad because it is a strong flavor. It's a lot. Um, and people that just might not be their cup of tea and that's okay. But there's a very large group of people who really, really enjoy the Caesar salad. So it's okay. Um, okay. Also, I was thinking about this, Nate. Mm -hmm. Did you describe one time when we, we were at my house, did we go around and describe like how we would describe people? Do you remember this night? It was I'm at my house. It. I remember this. And I'm like, did I make this up? Maybe we should just say this is a podcast. But I was like, I'm pretty sure we hung out. We had smoked. And I remember we were, you described me as a pizza. I don't know. I'm like, I remember this so vividly. It like has come to me. And I'm like, because you know how you make up moments sometimes. You're like, I might have mm -hmm. made that up in my head. That actually didn't happen. But I'm pretty confident we like went around and we're like, oh, how will we describe one another in food? You know, it could have happened. It could not. I personally will not be held responsible for anything I said okay. <laughs> under the no, influence I'm like, I'm pretty I don't remember confident. this at all. I'm pretty confident that that happened because I was thinking about it the other day and I'm like, did I make that up? Because it's such kind of like a vague memory. Hmm. Anyway, That's I just wanted to bring that up because we're talking about food. Interesting. Yeah, I don't remember that one, but I don't know. It does kind of sound like something that I would say. Yeah. But I don't know. <laughs> okay, let's do one more. All right, one more. Here's a good one. This is a good one to end on. How do you get a school that doesn't value constructive criticism to change? What would you say? I have my answer. How would you get... Um, How would you get a school that doesn't value constructive criticism to change? I would... Um, external pressure to be so honest or hit them where their pockets are mm -hmm. just because I feel like that is kind of what we were talking about earlier. Like money talks, money makes people move. Money makes this world go round, especially in um, this capitalist society in which we exist in. And that is a way to make people move. Because even during the civil rights movement, that's how, like, the Montgomery boycott, right? That was a big thing that they did for, like, a long time. Like, people think that was, like, a month. Well, that was, like, over a year mm -hmm. that they did not ride the buses. Like, they were genuinely, seriously impacting the economy. And so I think that when you're in those situations, you have to strategize differently um, when your voice is either being silenced, muted, or it's just not like no one cares, they're just not listening. And so you have to make them listen in the ways that um, they care about. So like that includes like getting with athletes because athletes bring schools a lot of money. So working with them or somehow, you know, I'm just using that as an example of like a way to make their pockets hurt is if the athletes were just like, yeah, we're not playing, which is already a complicated issue because They've got their own lives they're worried about, which is a whole nother topic. But I just use it as an example of how um, you gotta gotta hit them where the money is is flowing in and out of. Mm. Yeah, that's that's honestly the same thing that I would say. I was oh. gonna, you know, you hit it right on the head. I was just gonna say, um, if they don't value constructive criticism, find out what they do value, mm. and then go after that. You know, um, that's really that's how everything works. If you find what somebody values, then that can be used as like a. I hate to say the word, like, I hate to use the term pressure point. Um, but, yeah, if you can apply pressure to areas that that people value, um, that's where you'll see change. You know, that's that's why the priesthood ban was lifted, because mm -hmm. politically it was not going to go well for the church. Um, 
unless they started allowing black people to enter the temple. And so they did. And um, yeah, I think that I mean, with anybody, if you find out what somebody values, that's like the whole, that's basically what action movies are, is like something that somebody values getting taken away mm. and then them having to get it back. Like yeah. taken, he valued his daughter and his taken, wife. Oh my and gosh. so they made three different <laughs> movies where his daughter got taken, his wife got taken, and then didn't he get taken? I don't remember what happened. Yeah, I don't one. know the last one. But, yeah. you know, um, yeah, if you find something that somebody values, then uh, sky's the limit to what they will accomplish to protect it. So, Agreed. Yeah, Beautiful words uh, from Nate. There you go. That's all we got. Anything else you want to add to the end? No. Um, just thank you guys for always being loyal listeners. And if you want to ask us some more questions to answer, um, we'll do another one of these probably in March. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you want, we'll post it on the story about a couple days before. So go follow us on Instagram um, at The Black Menaces. And uh, you can catch up with us and be, be, make sure to enter your questions into the box when we ask. Absolutely. Also, go follow us on Twitter. We're going to start building up our Twitter um, start posting more stuff on there. So go follow us on Twitter. Go follow us on YouTube. We need some followers on there too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're just trying to like build up our, you know, build up our audiences, get our voices out there, and also just like empower marginalized people here in Utah and throughout the world. Um, our goal has always been to like give voice to people who don't have their voices heard on a regular basis. Yep. And uh, one of the best ways that we can do that is through social media. And we're going to keep our ears to the ground. We're going to keep our feet to the streets. Uh, we're going to be out here. You know, we went we went to the protest for um, or we, we went to the the hearing for for HB 261. Um, and we're you know, we're out here doing other things. So we're going to do our best to be active. But also we still we still have full time jobs and, and yes. you know relationships and lives that we're trying to manage. So, um, you know, if there's things going on, let us know about it. We do check our messages. We do check our you know, all of that. Um, we look at your your questions when you have them. We do our best to answer. them. So, um Y'all keep being our eyes and ears out there, and uh, we love y'all. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. We'll catch y'all next week. Wonderful.